following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Hope all of you can stay for the fellowship afterwards, amen. John 13 is today as our friend. Again in verse 1, as we start a new chapter in our study of the Gospel of John. John 13, and we'll begin in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given, had given all things into, into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, uh, thou hast no part with me. P Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not to say, save uh, to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. And we're going to begin uh, from this passage of scripture and beyond to talk about Christ and washing his disciples feet let's pray father in heaven lord i thank you for thy word and father for those who've come to hear your word this morning and father we're thankful for an opportunity to have another friend day and father an opportunity to invite folks to church share the gospel with them the truth of thy word and lord i pray that you'd help me as i deliver thy word this morning and father as we talk about our Lord Jesus Christ and washing his disciples' feet. Lord, help us to learn some of the lessons taught here. And Father, may we glorify you in our response, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Christ and, his, and washing his disciples' feet. Now, begin, we'll begin this morning as we uh, talk about this subject. It's, uh, it's not necessarily, you know, some churches actually do perform feet, uh, foot washing, as a part of their services. We don't because I don't believe the Lord is teaching that that is something we should do in the local church, amen. Uh, he is teaching them a lesson through washing their feet and what have you, but he's not commanding that they do this. As a matter of fact, foot washing was customary among the Jews uh, when, when travelers and visitors came to their homes, so forth. But as we talk about Christ and washing his disciples' feet, we want to consider, uh, first of all, some of the things leading up to, during and after uh, his, the, his washing of his, of his disciples' feet. This morning we want to talk about Christ's concern prior to the Passover and institution of the Lord's Supper. Verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. These are things that are happening prior to the Passover where the Lord established the, the Lord's Supper, first supper service with his church. And uh, so this is important. We consider these things uh, so that we'll have a better understanding in some respects of what goes on afterward. First thing we want to consider about this 
is that Jesus knows that he's on his way home to heaven by the way of the cross. Again, it says here now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour is come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. We know that Christ knew that there would, there would be this time, and when it talks about him departing out of this world and going to the Father, we know that he is, he is headed, if you will, first to be betrayed, and then uh, taken before the council, unjustly judged as a, as a sinner, condemned by the Jews, and uh, sent to the cross of Calvary, even by Pilate, allowing the Jews to so forth, do, do all these things, because God had determined beforehand that uh, God would allow his son to go through this for our sake. And it's so important that Christ uh, would have to go through these things for the salvation of souls. And it wasn't like he didn't know what was going on. Because our Lord Jesus Christ is just that. He is God in the flesh and he knows all things. He knows the end uh, from the beginning. And the Bible again shows us something of his omniscience that he knew that it was his hour to come. Verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. Jesus knew that he was headed to the cross of Calvary and by way of the cross would go home uh, to heaven. Matthew 26. <clears throat> Matthew 26 and verses 1 through 5. Matthew 26 and verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, And it came to pass, <clears throat> when Jesus had finished all these things, he said unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is, be is uh, betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and scribes and elders of the people under the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him, as if they could somehow do this you know, in, a, in a sneaky manner. They're going to sneak up on the Lord and, and take him and, and uh, crucify him. Well, uh, they, weren't, they weren't getting away with anything. Verse 5, but they said, not on the feast day, lest there should be an uproar among the people. So uh, they were going to go through the Passover, and during that feast, uh, Christ would institute his uh, Lord's Supper, understanding that he was going to fulfill the Passover in the sacrifice of himself, and then he would turn the Passover, if you will, into a different kind of a feast. It would be, if you will, the Feast of Communion, or the Feast, if you will, of the Lord's Supper, and he would establish that for his people. But look with me to John 7, John chapter 7, <clears throat> and beginning in verse 1, John 7, and beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> the Bible says here, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because, of the Jew, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' uh, feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, but he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe on him. Now he's talking about his extended family. You know, uh, Jesus was the, uh, the son of Mary, not the son of Joseph. And yet we know that Mary had other children by Joseph after Jesus was born. And these are the brethren 
that uh, are spoken of in verse 5. Verse 6, then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hateth me, because I testifieth of it that the works thereof are evil. He says, Go ye up unto this feast. I, I, I go not up unto the feast, unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. And when he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. So we know that uh, Christ was speaking of his time to come, and uh, he was speaking of the future, his future uh, death on the cross of Calvary, but it was not yet his time to die, even though the Jews sought to kill him. And they did seek to kill him. They, did, they wanted to destroy him, John 8 and 20. John 8 and verse 20. <clears throat> These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Again, knowing, and there is the, the, uh, the information that he knew they wanted to take him, and he knew what they were plotting against him. You know, folks, we never, we never keep anything from God. And the Jews were foolish because they refused to believe that Jesus Christ was God's own Son, the only begotten Son of God, if you will, a God in the flesh. They rejected Him as the Messiah, the Christ, and because of it they treated Him as an ordinary man, and yet they were foolish in doing so because Christ is God. And we can't keep anything from God. The Bible says all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hebrews 4 and 13. That him with whom we have to do is Christ or God in the flesh. Amen. It's important that we understand who we're dealing with. And uh, many of the Jews, many even people today, they look at Christ and they try to make him a mere man. And he's not a mere man. He is God in the flesh. He is still God in the flesh, amen? Although he sits right now at the right hand of the Father, John 12 and 23. <clears throat> John 12 and verse 23. <clears throat> and Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. You know, folks, it was the time, his time for crucifixion and what have you was drawing nigh, and he's making mention to it. It's not yet come, but he said it is drawing nigh, if you will, John 14 and 1. John 14 and 1. <clears throat> I hope that's good. <laughs> John 14 and 1. The Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now watch what he's saying. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's going back to the Father. He's going home to heaven, and he, he takes the time to comfort their hearts, knowing that they would be troubled because he was leaving. You know, they were struggling with understanding everything. And let me say this, Christians don't have a perfect understanding of everything. These guys haven't been saved that long, a few years. They've been walking and talking with Christ, learning about Christ, and they would learn more 
even after he'd risen from the dead. They would remember the things that he had taught them. They were, you know, folks, we, we, we're always learning. If you ever get to the place where you think you know everything, you don't know anything. As the Bible says, as you ought to know. Folks, you know, what, we, what knowledge we have of God, we have because God gives it to us as our gift. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And we know he's going home. I'm going away. I'm going home by the way of the cross. You know, we sing that song, but you think about this. Christ did not go home uh, taking an easy journey. He took a straight and narrow path that led to the cross of Calvary, then to a tomb that finally would be empty because he rose again the third day, amen, and went to finally to ascend it into heaven and is waiting to come back for us, amen. The rapture of the saints is the next uh, prophetic thing on the cal prophetic calendar. Folks, he's coming to redeem this body, amen. It's called the redemption of our body, the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. The Lord's coming for us. And he's coming to take us home. You know, folks, the, as we watch the things that are going on in this world, there's some amazing, strange things been going on in the last few years. And I believe in time to come, it's leading us to Christ coming in the rapture and the redemption of our body. He's coming as he promised here in John 14 uh, to his disciples. But he knew he was going uh, down a rough and narrow path that led to the cross and uh, beyond in Matthew 26, Matthew 26 and 36. <clears throat> Matthew 26 and uh, verse 36. <clears throat> then cometh Jesus with them into the place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto, unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye, here, tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Now we see he's in the garden of Gethsemane, and we know that he is God in the flesh. But folks, you know what? He is a man. And the Bible says he was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Here we see our Lord Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane on the eve before he is to be crucified. And he's in the garden and he says to the Father, his prayer was, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Christ in his flesh is saying, if there's any other way, he is tempted maybe to walk away from the, the thing that would do the most good for man. Folks, he was going to suffer like not many men would suffer. He would suffer as a criminal. He would suffer the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Amen? He would also bear the sins of the world. He would become sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. A lot was going to happen to our Lord Jesus Christ, holy God of heaven, as a man on the cross of Calvary. He would hang between heaven and earth, heaven and hell, if you will, for you and I. And so he might have been tempted in that garden at that time to say, you know what, there's got to be some other way to do this. Knowing the difficulties, all of the difficulties, 
all of what he would suffer in the flesh and all he would suffer as God on the cross of Calvary. And yet, he knew he was on his way to heaven, but what a tough road, a narrow road he would take. Look with me to Luke 22. Luke 22. And verse 52. Luke 22 and 52. Then said Jesus unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him, be it come out as a th- against a thief with swords and staves. While I was with you in the temples, ye stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house and Peter followed afar off. You know, folks, it was now time. It was now time for Christ to be betrayed into the hands of men. And then we know he would be unjustly condemned and crucified and finally rise again the third day, as the Bible says, according to the scriptures. You know, folks, the Lord knew his time was coming. He was on the eve of his going, if you will. And uh, the Lord is speaking of that to be speaking of those things before he finally goes, if you will, John 20. John 20, <clears throat> and we'll begin in verse 11. John 20, looking at verse 11. <clears throat> After Christ has been crucified, buried in the tomb, Mary comes to the tomb in verse 11. But Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And see it two angels in white, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Now, you know, it's funny because in other accounts, the Bible says a great earthquake happened and the stone was rolled away and, and what have you. And, 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 you know, maybe people might imagine, Oh, someone else rolled it away. No, God rolled the stone away, not so Jesus could get out, but to show the world that he was already out. Amen. He'd risen from the dead. No tomb, no grave could hold Christ. Amen. Here we see this with Mary and these angels, and she thinks they've taken him. Somebody's taken him away. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, verse 14, and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be uh, the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast take, uh, laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And you know what, folks? Up to this time, she doesn't get it. She doesn't recognize Christ, and because he didn't want her to at that point. Maybe because she would do something rash, we'll find out. He says, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. She saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascended to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things under her. You know what he said? He said, I haven't yet ascended. He said, I'm going home. Don't touch me yet. I'm going home. I'm going to heaven. It's my time finally to go. 
He's already gone through the, uh, if you will, the valley of the shadow of death. He's carried the sins of man. He's borne the wrath of Almighty God, the cup of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God upon himself. And now he has risen from the dead and he is going home. He's ascending uh, to the Lord. And you know what? Jesus knew in John 13 that it was time for him to go, if you will. Look back to John 13 again. As we're dealing with some of the things that happened prior to his uh, performing his foot washing of the disciples. And if you will, John 13 and uh, verse 1 again. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. It's important that he knows he's going. And you know what, folks? They have an idea that he's going. They're already struggling with the fact that he's going. You know, folks, when you love someone, someone who's dear to you as Christ was to his disciples, the thought of losing them is a very difficult thing. And uh, Jesus, and the Bible says specific, he's not talking to someone at this point, but we know this about the Lord. His disciples would learn this about the Lord, but he's telling us, and you know what, folks? You and I are saved by the grace of God. It's important that we know these things about our Lord Jesus Christ and that we know and are reminded of his love for us. Jesus loves his own unto the end. You know, there is no end to God's love for us. Even when he was going to die on the cross of Calvary, that would not be the end of God. Amen? That would not be the end of God, nor would it be the end of his love. You know, sometimes we, because someone has died, we lose their presence. We lose sometimes the the presence of being with them and maybe feeling loved by them. But what a blessing when we know that one day we will see a a child of God, a, a loved one, a husband, father, whatever, we will see them again and know that we'll be able to embrace them in love again because of the never-ending love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God says here specifically, uh, <clears throat> having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them. And in the end, we know that the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that is such a special love. But when you get saved by the grace of God, look with me to John 1 and 11. John 1 and 11. He says he loved his own. And there's a special love that God has for those that have received his love in salvation. In John 1:11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. You know, his first attention was given to these Jews. He's born king of the Jews. He will sit on the throne in his millennial kingdom. He will sit as king of the Jews and king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. But he came to them. He came to them with love. He's offering himself in love to them. And yet they spurned his love. You know, he didn't come to them in judgment. He came to them in love trying to tell them, listen, I've come to die for you. But they wouldn't listen. 
They spurned his love for them. Man, to spurn the love of God is to spurn some almighty love. You know, it's sad when, when a husband spurns his wife and a wife spurns the husband. That's terrible. And folks, it ought not to be so. We're to love our husbands, to love their wives, and wives love their own husbands, and so forth. But the love of God is beyond human love. A love like no other love in verse, 10, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of God by the love of God in Christ Jesus. We put our faith and trust in that love that sent cross to the, uh, Christ to the cross of Calvary. Amen. And beyond for you and I. We're talking about how he loved them unto the end, if you will, his own. Look at me in 1 John 3 and 1. Those born of God. Who are his own? Those who are born again by the Spirit of God. In 1 John 3 and 1. 1 John 3 and 1. <clears throat> Here are the Apostle John. And really the Apostle John is known as the Apostle whom Jesus loved. Now Jesus didn't love all. Jesus loved all the apostles the same. But John had a, had a great sense of the fact that God loved him. And folks, get a hold of this. If you're saved by the grace of God, the Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, and God loves his children like no other group on the face of the earth or in heaven. Amen. You know what, as a parent... You know, I appreciate other people's children, but you know what? I, no, I love no other person's children like I love my own. I'll be honest with you. And that's not, yeah, not even you, Cheyenne. As a matter of fact, stay out of my preaching, all right? Amen. Shh, shh. You know what? I, I love other people's children, but not, not like I love my own kids. My wife feels the same way. You feel the same way. It's natural to do so, amen? Even for your mom, Cheyenne, to love you, which is beyond me. Amen. Why would she want to do that? Knowing you, amen, knowing you. First John 3 and 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. But he says, Behold what manner of love that uh, the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we, now look at me for a moment, that we sinners, that we sinners should be called the sons of God. Of God, You know what we are before we're saved? The children of the devil. The children of darkness. The children of disobedience. The children of wrath. Amen? But God who is rich in mercy, in his mercy, he says, he saves us by his grace. Amen? Makes us his children and loves us eternally. Amen? There's no end. The Bible says he loved them unto the end. You know, for the Christian, where is the end? Of God's love. Well, is it the end of life? What does a Christian have? Eternal life. 
Is there an end then to the love of God? No, because God's love is eternal because he's given us eternal life. If you will, look with me to uh, John 15 and 9. John 15 and 9. <clears throat> As the Father hath loved me, so, I, so I have I loved you, continue ye in my love. Christ tells them plainly, as the Father loved me. What kind of love does the Father have for his Son? Eternal. You know, God is eternal. What does it mean for God to be eternal? Without beginning of days, without beginning of existence, and no end of existence. God has always been and always will be. So is the Son. God has always loved his Son, God is, and folks, God is always and will always love us, his children. Amen. And Christ is saying, listen, I've loved you like my father's loved me eternally. If you will look with me to John 17, verses 6 through 10. John 17, verses 6 through 10. <clears throat> I've manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world, Thine they were, thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are thee. For I have given unto them the, the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. You see, there's a distinction. Those whom God the Father had given him out of the world, his children, his prayer, his intercessory prayer, was always for his children and them that would become the children of God in the future. But there's a special love and care for them, even as there is uh, with the Father. Thou gavest them, verse 6, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. That I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. There's a special relationship between God and his children. A love that's eternal. Jeremiah 31 and 3. Jeremiah 31 and 3. You say, is it possible for God to be angry with his children? Well, when we're disobedient, sometimes. Does it mean he stops loving? You know, there are times when I was angry with my kids. What did you do to them? I beat them with an inch of their life. No, I didn't. I took up a rod. And, no. Sometimes I spanked them when we had to spank them, amen, when they needed it. But let me say this. Never have we stopped loving them. And never, though the Lord correct us, he corrects us in love because he loves us. Amen. Because his love is everlasting. Jeremiah 31 and 3, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, I, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. If you will, everlasting love. Look at uh, Romans 8. Romans 8 and 35. Romans 8 and 35.
Who shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And let me say this. She said, why is he saying this? Why is he writing these things? Because Christians were under great persecution. And I have to imagine that God is trying to encourage those who are under great persecution because there might have been times and instances when they were maybe about to be devoured by a lion, when they maybe began to wonder, has God stopped loving me? Am I here because God is angry with me? Has he turned his back on me? And let me say this. Sometimes Christians feel that way. You've felt that way. Amen. I've felt that way. Was it true? No. No. It's never true. Because nothing and no one, no circumstances, nothing that comes into your life, nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Though you may be tempted to believe that God doesn't love me anymore. It's never true. The Bible says that all things work together for good to them that love God. God has a purpose in allowing difficult things to come under our life. But it's because he loves you and me and wants us to be like our Lord. Revelation 1. Revelation 1. <clears throat> the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass, he sent and signified it by the angel unto the servant John, who bear record of the word of God <clears throat> and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and that heareth the words of the prophecy. And keep those things which are written uh, therein, for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and have made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, Christ is, is all kinds of things. He is God in so many things. But it's Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Folks, baptism doesn't wash away sin. Your good works can't deal with sin. Nothing but the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, can cleanse us from all sin. And you know what, folks? He loved us so much that when we come to Him and trust Him, we put our faith and confidence in Him as our Savior. We call upon Him. Do you know something, folks? God receives us, makes us His children. You know what He does? He takes us. Now, you say, physically? 
Now, spiritually, he takes us, if you will, and dips us in his blood. And you know what we do? We come out completely clean. Every stain, every sin is gone. Amen. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Folks, love like that is beyond human comprehending. Amen. And yet God would have his children, his disciples, his servants to know that. Amen. And if you're saved today, he wants you to know it. Let's not be afraid of the love of God. Let's glory in it. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.